Well, I came in with my notes this evening and I have uh, a blank page. Uh, with at the top of it, I have two words, bottom line. Um, well, just to kind of go back here, I was thinking of the other uh, night about um, Sylvia's talk about this, uh, really, uh, the sort of factors of enlightenment and, and uh, really the encouragement of us um, really sticking with this and really doing it uh, in every way possible. And last night, a uh, guy uh, talking about um, this really, this uh, path of, um, of mindfulness and uh, of a practice of, uh, really a practice of um, uh, clarity and uh, open-heartedness. Um, so tonight, um, I guess I've come to this place I've just called bottom line. And um, I'll just kind of spin with this. Uh, one thing I noticed as I was walking up here from, um, actually from uh, uh, my room, uh, the sunset this evening and the clouds that were so um, absolutely uh, pink and marvelous and, and uh, magical. And then again, I walked outside um, in the break and I looked out and, and um, was it Venus and Mercury uh, in the, uh, it is Jupiter in, in the sky there. Uh, just a remarkable um, sight of nature. So bottom line, uh, one of the pieces is, I, I think I want to just uh, kind of uh, review something here. Uh, and this is just uh, in connecting in some way with this practice. Uh, that uh, in some ways it seems so simple and so direct. And yet uh, it, is an it opens itself to uh, what I consider just uh, this huge mystery of um, uh, the sky and the changing and the clouds and the uh, trees and uh, the people in it. Uh, we live in this uh, phenomenal place and time. And I was thinking back in my own life of um, there was a time uh, when I guess I was living, uh, I had come to the States and I was living in the Haight-Ashbury and I had really lost it. And I, I couldn't, uh, for months there, I couldn't live in buildings, so I would, uh, I actually slept out in, under bushes in the, um, uh, in the Golden Gate Park. And at the time, there was still this piece of, of, uh, of this longing in myself, even though I was, I, was, I think, quite uh, confused in a lot of, and deluded in a lot of ways, uh, uh, that there was a calling, that there was some kind of mystery uh, that underneath all of that I could uh, see and experience, that somehow uh, that I could trust and was leading me uh, to uh, freedom. And it simply was a, um, almost like a, a, a simple impulse 
coming from, um, I don't know where, but I'll tell you a little bit about uh, how it manifested. And each of you uh, has your own story of how um, this kind of mystery uh, unfolds in some way. And I guess the, the bottom line here uh, for me in this practice is to keep myself inspired and to keep you inspired uh, so that in some way that uh, through the uh, sometimes the clarity of uh, a sitting that uh, seems so peaceful and that uh, possibly no thoughts arise and there is really a sense of uh, openness and acceptance uh, of the present to moments where it seems like all hell's broken loose and you are lost in the kind of the, the thousand veils of uh, confusion and uh, pain and uh, history of, uh, uh, of old stories and uh, fears of uh, what will be or could be. <clears throat> In this getting lost, uh, when I came to uh, the States and kind of uh, in the world of psychedelics or whatever, uh, and ended up down in uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains, and I got hepatitis down there. I got sick, and uh, I got really sick, and I was sick for about six weeks. Um, and I had sort of been to Zen Center, and I had tried a little this and tried a little that, and kind of a, the what spiritual potpourri. Uh, of the 60s at that time. And in this one night, uh, I woke up in about maybe 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd been sick, and everybody had left this little house uh, I was staying in in Boulder Creek um, in the uh, Santa Cruz Mountains. And it was right by a creek, and uh, it was kind of there was a little waterfall, and it was winter time, and it was rushing um, uh, fairly rapidly. And, and um, I woke up, and I looked up, and there was a window, and it was all sort of foggy, and I could see this um, um, big, sort of large man that I had no idea who was. He was a very big man, and he had this hat on. And he was holding this hat. And then there was this droning going on in the background. And I sat there and I just, um, maybe for an hour or more, and it was so real to me. Uh, and at the time, I was, I, was, my, my, um, I was completely yellow from the hepatitis. And I, at that time, in the, sort of the kind of, what, that was 67 or something like that, I didn't know much about food either. And so uh, I, I actually had a very poor, poor diet at that time, which probably had prolonged it. <clears throat> and there was something very inspiring that happened. I didn't know what it was. And I went back to sleep, and I woke up uh, three or four hours later, uh, and every, no one had come back to the house. 
And I woke up and my skin was clear. And, um, and, and I felt well enough to get up and so I went up and I went down by this creek and it was quite cold and I just cried. I cried maybe an hour or more. And it was just sort of all the things that uh, I had been rushing to um, uh, move away from, all the pain. And then as the story goes, I start then, uh, actually that next year I went uh, to Berkeley and I started sitting and uh, sort of getting myself um, back together again and healthy. And uh, uh, my mother died at that time in, in Europe um, and left me a small amount of money. And I went up there and then I decided at that point I was going to go to Asia. So I uh, started overland and went uh, to Asia and uh, on a journey, but not really knowing what and where I was going. Uh, I actually had an idea. I wanted to go to southern India uh, to buy an elephant uh, to do this sort of pilgrimage in southern India with an elephant, <laughs> which I never did. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, we have ideas. <laughs> You're all sitting there kind of making all kinds of plans for whatever. Well, this was one, and uh, fortunately, <laughs> you know, we make up all these things and we think we know what we're doing, and yet we always, uh, you know, uh, end up doing maybe what we don't plan. And that's the mystery. That's what somehow we have to be open to. Anyway, I went there, and then I went up into... Uh, uh, Nepal, and um, there was a, um, a lama who had come there, and he was, uh, it was the 16th uh, Karmapa. And I went to meet him, and I realized he was the same person that I had um, encountered in, on this window uh, while I was sick. Uh, about a year before that, in Cal almost exactly a year before that, in California. And in that moment, it inspired me so much that there was something that I didn't know. And it was interesting because there was this little funky pamphlet that uh, they had at that time that said that um, the Karmapas, which are, uh, they, there are 16 of them, then they, it goes, what, uh, Tilopa Naropa, uh, Marpa, Milarepa, Gampopa, the first Karmapa, and then this was the 16th, so it's all this kind of lineage of, of teachers. That uh, the Emperor of China had reproduced this hat because he had been healed miraculously by uh, this uh, hat that was so, so supposedly made of celestial uh, hairs of uh, heavenly beings. And I remember reading that and realizing that uh, it sounded too far out there, you know, <laughs> way out there. And yet I could uh, uh, understand that that was possible. And it 
brought up this question, and maybe for a month, about, I really don't know. I don't know uh, how this all works and what this is. And I think at that point, my practice, uh, I began uh, a journey that was about the possibility uh, that there is a kind of um, synchronicity, uh, things that happen through our sincerity and our own um, uh, what innocence and pure purity of intention. And what a powerful force is being built right here at this time. Uh, that a lot of times, uh, in the midst of the thickness of um, these personal stories that we get into about uh, things that uh, have happened in the past, or our anticipation of, of um, things we'd like, uh, this huge mirage of, uh, of uh, journeys that we take. Uh, but what I'm trying to point to is around all that uh, is a bigger, bigger mystery that, um, that we're building on, uh, actually, uh, moment by moment, day by day. Last night, about 10 o'clock, one of the caretakers came to my room and uh, said that there was a, uh, a problem down in, in the hall, and it was uh, Monday night, and uh, so there had been a, a, a Dharma talk down there. And uh, there was a young man who... Um, Had, uh, he had just started out by uh, swirling around uh, in the room as uh, Lama Paldin was speaking last night. And then and she was doing guided meditation. This is just secondhand what I hear because I came down later. And she came up and just like I'm sitting here, she, he sat down, he sat in front of her. And um, it created a stir and fear in people. And I went down there, and I walked in the room, and there was sort of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, it was 911 or police in the back there, and, and sort of uh, a lot of people in the room. And I, I walked in, and I felt this fear for a moment of uh, uh, the unknown, you know, and uh, uh, something that was out of control. And I went over and I sat down. Uh, I just kind of got on my knees in front of this young man. He was kind of spinning and turning and uh, um, kind of rolling his eyes back. And then we began to talk. And um, I had this incredible moment, the rush of metta. Uh, um, and this question came up again. For me, of, of don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And how is it that you 
in all these little stories you get caught in, all this little thing, that somehow uh, you can hold uh, this don't know as um, paramount part of this practice. I always try to hold this practice in two ways. You know, there's this one part that um, is there's this spaciousness. And you can say, oh, it's formless, it's empty. Um, sometimes uh, it's quite clear. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and sometimes I call that spirit of practice. And I feel so much of what we're doing here is... is, is uh, having moments, having moments, uh, and all it is is ever moments. Uh, uh, moments of this um, clarity or uh, formlessness or emptiness uh, or what I call also spirit to me. That um, uh, there's not anything we can do with it. There's not any place we can place it. Uh, I used the word the other morning of luminous. Uh, It's uh, uh, luminous. It illuminates. Um, And on the other side, I see this kind of, um, what? Uh, It's form itself. These bodies. uh, I know that the conditions that create these bodies have this thing called dukkha. Uh, There's kind of an unsatisfactoriness that is inherent in it. Um, there's also in that, inherent in that dukkha, uh, is uh, humanness. And humanness actually is, uh, uh, if one side has the luminosity, then the other has the love. It has the compassion. And our practice is is somehow holding these two pieces uh, in um, some kind of, uh, I guess, a balance. And the Buddha called it the middle way, somewhere between uh, these two. This form and formless and this uh, luminosity or emptiness. Uh, and this body and um, the stickiness uh, that goes with uh, the bodies and the, uh, what our um, interconnectedness. <coughs> so I sat and I, I sort of, I guess you could say, talked him down or whatever, but it was... I think I talked him down, or I was able to stabilize him, but on some level he destabilized me. And that was the appreciation I had. Uh, And and he left quite peacefully and and things were fine. Um, And I tried, and then I went to bed last night and I couldn't sleep. Because suddenly I recognized in myself that this was. Uh, there are no accidents, you know. There are no accidents, and part of what we're doing here 
is trying to wake up um, through clarity and heart to uh, a mystery that's uh, not uh, not to be known by us, but to be experienced by us. And if we can keep um, somehow, sometimes I think, you know, when I, 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 I traveled around India as a sadhu, and I was a, you know, I was a Hindu monk for a while and kind of with shaved head and orange robes, and then I was a, uh, I lived uh, with Tibetans for a while and sort of wore kind of uh, Genyan clothes of, of a, of a um, novice monk. And, um, and then I wore white for a long time, but I just kept traveling. And one of the things was just, you know, and I had a lot of different names. <laughs> you know, it was those years, you know, and I would change one set of beads for another, you know. Um, But the peace that I held so dearly was that it's as if uh, we can see straight ahead and with our uh, eyes we see quite, quite clearly. Uh, and we can get more and more refined in how we experience sort of 50% inside, 50% outside. But then I always wonder that uh, if you took your hands and you put them right to your side and you could barely see them, it's like there's a place kind of in between the worlds where we don't know what's going on. And can we somehow um, hold that not knowing? Uh, so we don't hold so strongly to whatever it is we think that's happening. And last night, it was very clear to me. I had a belief of what was happening. I was trying not to, but I did. And there was something about being a teacher and, you know, control and all these things. And uh, how limiting that is. How really limiting when we put a name to ourselves, uh, how sometimes it removes us uh, somewhat from uh, this possibility of not knowing what it is that's going on. And letting that be just like that. You know, you don't have to concretize what it is. And the same thing when you sit here and you get confused. And I know it happens to all of you. Uh, And uh, uh, some story and some feeling holds you in captivity. Um, Can you let that, do you have to make it into something? Can you not make it into something is what I'm asking. Can you not make it into something? Can you let it just uh, do you? I liked, uh, always liked that little thing of Suzuki Roshi and the mind of the expert 
uh, there are few possibilities. But the, in the mind of the beginner, there are many possibilities. And if anything we're learning here, this is the job, uh, is that we abandon uh, all of our knowing uh, so that we can be fully present uh, for um, something that we have never, ever, ever experienced before. That's how uh, phenomenal uh, this world happens. And yet somehow we split it. We, we somehow uh, come in there in our either not liking it or liking it, uh, wanting it to be a certain way, or uh, needing, our, uh, needing, it, needing to be comfortable. You know. um, and here is that the Buddha challenges you. not to hold it uh, in this way, uh, but to really let it um, uh, be forming and changing. This is a river. This is a river that's constantly, it doesn't even repeat itself. It changes constantly. Your body is here pulsating and you're breathing and none of it's the same. There's no moment like this. And you can create, uh, we create thousands of belief systems. Uh, and it seems like every time, my, the danger in myself is every time I have an insight, every time I have an insight, if I don't question that, and I harden and concretize that, it creates a belief system and then a habit, uh, which was something of a moment ago. And my challenge is to keep Keep questioning uh, uh, my insights, you know, because they can concretize me. Even I don't care how wonderful they are, they can concretize me and and pull me out uh, of uh, of this place of not knowing, which is really uh, this um, mystery uh, of. I, I don't know anything more that except that it's a mystery uh, and that it will keep happening um, as long as uh, I don't split the world. Uh, if I let it um, keep arising uh, and not clinging in any way to what I believe uh, it should be like. That's funny, I kind of brought all, I brought my blank sheet of paper and then I brought all my props and I realized someday I don't even want my props around. <laughs> but some of them are fun. Good. <clears throat> so this is uh, including our pain. Pain stayed with me so long, I said today, 
I will not have you with me anymore. And I stamped my foot and said, Be on your way. And then paused, startled at the look he wore. I, who have been your friend, he said to me. I, who am your teacher. All you know of understanding love and sympathy and patience, I have taught you. Shall I go? He spoke the truth, this strange, unwelcome guest. I watched him leave and knew his words were wise. He left a heart grown tender in my breast. He left a far clearer vision in my eyes. I dried my tears and lifted up a song, even for one who tortured me so long. So we get to uh, embrace here uh, our pain. I was really annoyed I couldn't sleep last night. And I felt like um, you know, some part of me, I didn't ask for this. You know, I didn't ask for this. And uh, it was an interesting wrestle of saying, oh, this is, this is, how, this is what connects me. And the other, other part of me wanting to be comfortable and safe and, uh, you know, not wanting to be bothered in some way. And I was thinking... Uh, how I want you all to be bothered, <laughs> you know, and have this friend uh, that um, gives you permission uh, for this, uh, I kind of gave you these two sides, this, this humanness, uh, all the mistakes uh, you've ever made, uh, how they have um, uh, allowed you uh, this gift uh, that lets you see uh, into others' hearts. And I found in my own life the peace that uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I've, I've had a lot of pain. And I am so thankful, actually, uh, for how I grew out of all those mistakes. Yeah. It's good to make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, because it also means you're willing to risk uh, your safety in some way. In this practice, uh, and this path is, is, is really a lot about uh, courageousness 
And I just, you know, it's like I'm sitting in a room here with all these really courageous people that are facing um, uh, your demons. And at the same time, uh, this uh, light, this light of mindfulness, which um, has this quality uh, of healing, uh, the uh, confusion and the pain, in a way that uh, helps us What? Not, to, not needing to put our hand in the fire. I remember when in, in Asia when I first, uh, I first went to Bodh Gaya and I, I uh, went into a tea shop and um, Joseph Goldstein was sitting there and, and uh, so um, we sat down and, and, and we began to talk and we talked for three hours. And... Um, a remarkable, and here was this, you know, 22-year-old, whatever, and I went, oh, now this is one of the clearest people I've ever met. And one of the things was that went through my mind at that time was I thought, well, you know, I have this tendency, I, what I do is I go out and I stick my hand in the fire, and it burns, and I pull that out again, and then I go and I, I go, boy, did that really burn? And I go and I stick my hand in the fire again, <laughs> and sure enough, it burns again. And I met somebody that, who, act, who was very clear and said, well, I stuck my hand in fire, burned, I took it out, and put it back in again. I went, oh my goodness, that's phenomenal. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know. Uh, and I'm trying to learn that. You know? But I also really appreciate uh, all the times I've put my hand in the fire, uh, now I can say that in retrospect. Uh, um, how it's been the one piece that, for me, the bottom line has been about opening my heart uh, without judgment. Uh, and keeping that uh, quality uh, it is simply a quality of not knowing uh, as um, the foreground and somehow in, in this background um, uh, an openness to the fact that um, I don't, um, there's more going on. Than, uh, than my limited experience of what I see. And can I hold that, too, as a piece? You know? uh, This is from uh, Rainier Marie Rilke, and it's Letters to a Young Poet, Letter 8. 
We have no reason to harbor any mistrust against our world, for it is not against us. If it has terrors, they are our terrors. If it has abysses, these abysses belong to us. If there are dangers, we must try to love them. And if only we arrange our life in accordance with the principle which tells us that we must always trust in the difficult, then what now appears to us the most alien will become our most intimate and trusted experience. How, how could we forget those ancient myths that stand at the beginning of all races? The myths about dragons that at the last moment are transformed into princesses. Perhaps all the dragons in our lives are princesses who are only waiting for us to act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us is in its deepest essence, something helpless that wants our love. So you mustn't be frightened, dear Mr. Coppice, if a sadness rises in front of you larger than any you have ever seen. If an anxiety like light and clouds, shadows, move over your hands in everything you do, you must realize that something is happening to you. That life has not forgotten you that it holds you in its hands and will not let you fall. Why do you want to shut out your life of any uneasiness, any misery, any depression, since after all, you don't know what work these conditions are doing inside of you? Bottom line. I hope that the things that uh, here uh, we have a tendency to kind of judge and um, uh, want. Uh, there are in between moments, they are really uh, kind of cracks in our world. Uh, and uh, this place right now, um, it's. Uh, I was thinking of it as walking up, looking at the clouds and the red. And I was thinking it was like it's like a Shangri-La. You know. And to. Uh, First, of course, it's the owning of whatever's happening in your experience right now. And also, I encourage you to notice that there are these moments that are uh, not dependent on anything. Uh, it's interesting because one of the things is it's kind of, I, I describe this as kind of this pendulum that swings back and forth. On one side is pleasant experience. Uh, and it has this big charge to it, you know, uh, you know, chocolate sex, 
you know, cappuccino or something, you know. It's got this big charge to it, and it's this wanting of it. And then there's this, the, this pendulum swings over the other side, and there's this other charge. And it's aversion, you know, and I, I uh, don't like this. I'm going to push it away. I have, uh, you know, I hate it, uh, ultimately, you know. And they have this, you know, these, uh, there's all this stuff around it. We have a whole social system around kind of the positive negative about pleasant and unpleasant. As this thing swings back and forth, and, and this is in any moment, any moment, that it passes through a center point. And that center point doesn't have a charge. It is difficult to see. And it takes sitting here, uh, uh, really fully experiencing the power uh, in our silence of the charge of the plus, of our wanting, and all the stories we do about it. And then swing over the other side, the aversion of all the things that happen there. And as this swings back, there is a place in the center of our experience. It's always available. Uh, and it is not dependent on, charge, on the charge. And the Buddha simply called this peace. And it goes beyond. Uh, it's like a deep well that's hard to see. Uh, but that's what our job is here, is uh, noticing that midpoint and allowing ourselves more and more as the retreat goes on here to uh, recognize uh, what is peace? What is when there is not a struggle towards or against an experience? But there is just a resting. Uh, and uh, what does that feel like? And how do I know that as a place uh, that in this Shangri-La that actually we're strengthening, which, which is, has peace and joy built into it. Uh, it's just that we move so, past, so fast past it. It's yours, and it's always been yours. So here you have time to really make friends uh, with that place uh, between this, these charges. Uh, and you will get lost in the charges. But when you notice a moment uh, of beingness, uh, give it your fullest attention. Uh, it has uh, gifts, uh, great gifts for you. Thank you. Let's just sit for a moment. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.